Hi, and welcome to the Burning Ones podcast. Our desire is to see people all around the world burn for one name, Jesus. We pray that you experience the love and power of Him through this journey. Thank you for joining us, and may burning witnesses arise. All right. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab it. We're going to mention a few things as we get started. Uh, As we are doing that, you can open up to Daniel chapter number one. Funny story. I was coming out of a doctor's appointment yesterday uh, because it has been completely supernatural. The way that the Lord has touched my back accelerated the healing time frame that they communicated to me when I first came into the office. They said that it was potentially going to be anywhere from three months to six months, um, just in a general sense, before I would be able to stretch again or start stretching. Um, And up until one of the most recent visits where they are now saying they don't really know a way or have a way to medically categorize me because they have never seen someone suffer the style or intensity of injury that I did and four to five weeks later be a brand new person. Um, it is really wild. Uh, those who had really close, intimate proximity to me in the beginning stages realized just how bad and how humbling it was. Um, again, I had a severe fracture, uh, in my L5 or right around the L5. So lower lumbar spinal column, uh, really bad, the hub of mobility, so to speak. Uh, But anyways, that's not the point. I mean, it is the point, but it's not the point of the funny story. There's no funny story attached to that. And so I was coming out of the doctor's office yesterday and walked next door into a vitamin shop. It wasn't a vitamin shop. It was a vitamin shop, but not the vitamin shop. Uh, It was GNC, whether or not that matters. But I'm standing in there and Anna was coming to pick me up. And when she was on her way, I looked at the lady who's working there and I said, hey, listen, uh, my wife is about to pull up. Is there any way uh, that she could run in and use the bathroom really quick? And the lady behind the counter was like, ah, you know, I don't I don't really know. You know, we're not supposed to like we have a bathroom. I said, hey, listen, I totally get it. I totally get it. Um, My wife is eight weeks pregnant and she really needs to use the bathroom. She needs to pee. She may not make it home like And she was like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 like, I get it, yeah, cool, like, let her come in, yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, And so when Anna arrived, she came in, and she was walking towards the back to go to the restroom, and I'm standing at the counter, and the lady is now continuing in small talk, and she says, hey, um, your wife is eight weeks pregnant? I was like, yep, yeah, she is, yeah, it's amazing, you know, we're excited. She's like, oh, yeah, you guys look young, is that your first? I was like, my first? I was like, uh, no. I was like, that's my fifth? And she was like, five? Is it, yeah, like, yeah, that's, that's our fifth. Like, that's number five. I was like, we got four more. As a matter of fact, they're, they're, they're sitting in the car. And she was like, you have five? And she was like, wait, 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 all with her? <laughs> I was like, uh, um, yes. She's like, you mean five kids all with the same person? She's like, uh, yes, five kids all with the same person. Uh, I'm sorry if culturally things are set up to where that may not be the norm, 
or to where typically when you hear someone say that they have five, it's broken up over two or three or four or five different people. Um, but no, for, for us, yes, we have four currently, 10, eight, five, and one, and one on the way that would make five, yes, all together. Uh, we're coming up on 14 years of marriage. We are happy. We are excited. She's like, what are you going to do with five kids? Like, oh my Lord, like, like y'all are done, right? Like five, like, like five, five is a lot. And I was like, hey, listen, life is amazing. Um, they are incredible. We are excited about what God is doing. Um, I know that in the times, it may not seem like a moment where you would want to consider bringing other humans into the situation right now that we are facing globally and nationally. Um, but we walk with the Lord and we trust him and we believe that he has purposes to fulfill and that our family is a part of that. And so we're excited to bring other little lovers of Jesus into the world and to raise them to be answers and solutions to the situations that we face in our generation. Um, we're excited to do that, and we believe that God is too. She didn't really understand what I was talking about, but that's not the point. She's going to have to remember the conversation. Um, want to make a couple of quick announcements, and then we're going to hop into Daniel chapter 1. Right now, live on our website, we have received incredible feedback for the 40-day fast and the dates that we have launched. Right now, we are asking you, uh, we know that, man, we've gotten stuff on Facebook, we've gotten stuff on Instagram, we've had people email us, we've had people send messages through the app, uh, literally in places all around the world. Um, dozens and dozens of people have been writing in wanting to jump into the 40-day fast with us all across the United States, leaders and people and pastors and so on and so forth in a variety of spheres of influence are writing into us wanting to join the 40-day fast. Um, and we are honored to be able to link arms, knit our hearts. And we're asking you, if you would take one step further, to join the fast with us. And I'm going to explain uh, because there's some things that we have working up that we're really excited about for us to be able to share in the experience in a, uh, in a pretty unique way together. Yes, we can do it independently. Yes, it can be every man for himself. Yes, we can just do what we do. We can huddle up in independent places and corners of the world and just hammer it out with Jesus, love him and honor him. Yep, we can do that. Uh, but we are creating a way to make the world a little bit smaller, even if it be for those 40 days, for us to, in a united effort, turn over our attention, our affection, and our appetite to Jesus as King, where we're asking him to be King of our attention, King of our affections, and King of the appetites that we have. We turn them over to you, Lord. You are everything. In order to do that, we're going to ask you right now, there is a link that is live on our website. There is a page, burningones.org slash join the fast, where you can go and you can register. You can sign up. Um, really, it's just a way for us to catch information in order to be able to distribute things to you over the period of 40 days. Burningones.org forward slash join the fast name address, email, so on and so forth. That way, for those 40 days, from September 2nd 
to October 11th. We are going to be able to get you and to share with you practical insights, help, devotional content. Uh, there's going to be video encouragements. There's going to be strategic prayer points. Again, a united effort. Join the tribe. <laughs> Become a part of this consecrated community of laid down lovers that are unified in their effort to again turn over attention, affection, and appetite to Jesus as King, to see his purposes fulfilled in our nation in the nations that God would have a people that would glorify him. Uh, and we believe that we are on the verge of something really powerful and something really special and unique. Uh, and we're asking you to link arms with us. Again, could we just do it all individually, independently? Uh, of course we could. Um, but there is something extraordinary when we come together. There is something extraordinary when we fight for the unity of the spirit. There is something extraordinary when we link arms and knit our hearts together. And again, I'm asking you, would you join us for 40 days? Whatever way the Lord speaks to you, I, I feel it deep down on the inside that we are on the threshold. We're on the cusp of something really incredible in the spirit. 40 days. September 2nd to October 11th. Whatever way God speaks to you, just let him speak to you. Just let him speak to you. Ask him, Lord, what can I do? How can I join? And whatever design God gives you, just do that. Just do that. I've learned over the time that I've had to walk with the Lord that obedience is enough. That the sweet smile of Jesus over the place of our obedience to him is enough. You don't have to make it any harder to try to impress certain folks. You don't got to try to make it more rigid, more rugged. You don't got to try to go extra on everybody and prove a point and showcase that you can do this or do that. Whatever he says, it's enough. The sweet smile of Jesus over your obedience. But definitely don't take anything away from it. Right? This is where the voice of Jesus is the blessing, but it's also the challenge because what he says is enough, but it's also what he says that's enough. Uh, and that's why in certain cases at times we can be intimidated to ask, uh, Lord, what would you have me to do? Uh, yes, that's amazing, but it potentially gets uh, you know, pretty scary for some of us because what if he says something that, that I may not want to do? What if he says something that I don't think I have the, the strength to do? Let, let me just encourage you, friend. Um, there's always going to be grace to do what he says because the Holy Ghost will always empower the son or the daughter that wants to be faithful to him. He said, those that love me, they will obey me, right? That's John 14, 15. But 16 is, and I will send another to be with you, to walk with you, to be in you, to empower you. There is grace to fulfill the invitation that Jesus releases in your direction. Um, may that be very encouraging. And ask the Lord, what would you have me to do? The urgency of the times, the tension of the days that we are living in. They are unprecedented. They are uncommon. And the unique tension of the days requires a unique response. Man, may God grip your heart.
May he have access to your attention. And may you ask him, Lord, what would you have me to do? And if you feel to join us, again, we, we want to do some special things. There's going to be prayer points. There's going to be practical insights and help from myself and Anna and from the rest of our team and others that we're going to bring in by way of encouragement and inspiration for you um, to exhort you and encourage you. There's going to be uh, devotional content that we're going to release on a regular basis so that we can uniform or so that we can, through uniformity, bring our attention together on a united front to be together for 40 days to fast and pray and to see God's purposes fulfilled. Friends, um, there's going to be special video content. We're asking you to join us. Burningones.org slash join the fast. Um, also, we're pretty excited about this. Um, you can also find on our website right now, we have launched today the Burning Ones podcast. Burning Witnesses. Um, it is going to be really special. I promise you that. Um, right now at burningones.org slash podcast. Listen, I'm just going to tell you, there's going to be all kinds of fun stuff for you to find on the website today. Um, burningones.org slash podcast. It's not available anywhere else. We are going to exclusively host it on our website for a little while. Um, and you can find it there right now. There is an introductory episode and there's also going to be um, one of the sessions from the 2019 convocation in New York City, which is where we launched the convocation tour, um, our prophetic assignment, uh, the release of our gatherings, holy assemblies with the heart of Joel chapter two. So you can find that right now on our website. Again, it's a podcast, the Burning Witnesses podcast on our website at burningones.org slash podcast. Uh, also, I don't know if you are familiar with things that have been happening in the news over the last weeks, um, but there's something about national attention that has dialed in to the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area. There's something that is stirring, something that is shaking, that is bringing national attention to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, if you are familiar and staying up to date or staying current, you know that the Democratic Party had their eyes set to gather for the DNC, the Democratic National Convention, and they were going to gather, um, yes, you guessed it, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, but they, at the last minute, decided not to gather physically, they gathered virtually. But Milwaukee, Wisconsin has the attention of the nation. Over the last days, I'm sure that you have seen the news reporting, the unrest, the rioting, the tension that is filling the streets due to someone who was shot. Um, that was just minutes outside of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, there is a national attention that is honing in on that city specifically. Uh, but we believe that the eyes of the Lord are upon the city of Milwaukee and that region. We have set to gather for a convocation, October 15, 16, and 17, in the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area, at World Impact Ministries with pastors David and Beverly Rayfeld, the whole family, the team there, 
They've been praying, they've been fasting, they've been rallying folks in that region to come and gather with us October 15, 16, and 17. In the days where darkness may be increasing, sin may be rampant, and all corruption may be celebrated, we believe that the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro throughout the land, seeking a heart that's fully his on behalf of whom he can show himself strong. And friends, um, national attention is not only turning towards Milwaukee, Wisconsin, but the eyes of the Lord, we believe, are upon that city and that region. And we are coming with our team, with our extended family and others that are going to contribute um, in special ways and powerful ways. And we are excited to gather in Milwaukee for a holy assembly, a convocation in these days, in the midst of turmoil and tension and sorrow and suffering and pain and persecution, tears and uncertainty in these days, in the midst of, we're gathering right in the midst and we're going to exalt Jesus. We're going to fast. We're going to pray. We're going to worship him above all things and release the word of the Lord. And we're asking you to come and join us two and a half weeks right before November 3rd, which is election day. Um, and I am sure that things are just going to get more buck wild as we lean in towards the election, but it is all the more why we are gripped with the urgency of the hour in the window of opportunity. May we lay hold of God's purposes and see his desires fulfilled. And it is going to require us coming together. It requires a united effort in the window of opportunity. Would you make plans to come and gather with us? Um, you can register. We're asking you to register because of space limitations and we have to steward the amount of space that we have well. So we're asking you to register. You can find that registration in our app. You can find it on our website, burningones.org slash conference. You can save your seat now. Would you make plans to come and join us? Whatever you have to do, if the spirit of the Lord is speaking to your heart right now, come and gather with us. Come and lift up King Jesus with us. Come and release the word of the Lord and intercede in the gap on behalf of this nation and God's purposes in this hour. Um, let's take a moment and watch this video. And then as you come out of that or back from that, we are going to jump into Daniel for just a couple of moments, uh, I believe, I hope. We are right in the middle of a critical window in our history. Has the urgency of the hour hit your heart yet? When you look around and you see the pain, when you see the suffering, when you see the rioting and the desperation that has filled the streets, has it actually gotten your attention? Begin 2019, our team began hosting gatherings, holy assemblies, convocations with the heart of Joel chapter 2, feeling from the Lord that it was time, it was necessary to rally the church, a body, a remnant in the land that would place all of their attention upon Jesus as king and begin to lift their voice, consecrated lovers crying out on behalf of the hour in the land. But last year, the circumstances didn't match the urgency. But does God have your attention? Has the urgency actually hit your heart? Because now in 2020, the circumstances match the urgency. The critical hour, the window that we are standing in as a people requires a response. Can you hear the call from the Lord to empty all of the distractions? 
to fix your face upon the king and to empty your heart before him that he might shake our nation and glorify himself in the midst of this people. The convocations will continue. Will you come and join us? All right. Last week, we considered through the life of Daniel how our perspective of Daniel needs to see beyond or a little deeper than just the surface situation of Daniel being a person that God walked with in a specific time period, that being thousands of years ago in Babylon. And we opened up Daniel's life and tried to create a frame in order to consider the context of Daniel as an individual that walked deeply and faithfully with the Lord. Yes, um, Daniel is a person. Daniel is also a prophet that we find in the Old Testament, which means our history. So Daniel is a person, but last week we considered seeing Daniel, maybe even for the first time, as a people. Allowing the Lord to reveal through the life of Daniel, a prophetic glimpse of a people in the end of the age, of the church planted in corrupt culture, on hostile territory, on foreign grounds, faithful to the Lord, thriving under the tension of the rulers of the age, powers, principalities, the beasts that Daniel sees depicted in his vision in chapter 7, all of the tension of the spirit of the air, again, the prince of the power of the air, all of the wickedness, the corruption, seeing Daniel as a prophetic picture of the church in the end of the age, the church in the end times, planted in the midst of Babylon, fulfilling God's purposes. And we did that. And we opened up the book of Daniel and brought Daniel's introduction. Exile, Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar is king. And we set the format or the layout of the book of Daniel. Again, chapters 1 to 6, giving us the idea of Daniel's public life. And then from chapter 7, it taking a unique turn, so to speak, that if we do not understand the intentionality of the writer and what is being communicated and how things are being laid out, that we very easily can just go astray. But understanding the context of the book of Daniel and the way that it is formatted, that chapter 7 gives us insight. It's right in the middle and understanding a Jewish way to write where the purpose is being in the beginning and the end but the main attraction happening in the middle Daniel chapter 7 being the middle of the book of Daniel communicates really what the entirety of the book of Daniel is all about and in chapter 7 Daniel is granted this vision and in this vision again he sees the ancient of days and he sees the Son of Man coming riding upon the clouds, 
Again, Daniel is seeing the moment of ascension. Acts chapter 1, the cloud comes to get the Son of Man, Jesus, resurrected from the dead, alive on the other side of the grave, having conquered sin, having conquered hell itself, having been resurrected by the power of the Spirit as a first fruits offering, now one to be of many, born alive again from the dead, ascending into the heavens. Daniel sees in this incredible visionary experience the Son of Man approaching the Ancient of Days. And the Son of Man is given a kingdom that will never end. It is unending. The Son of Man is given all authority to issue judgments. And it says that the beasts that were permitted to rule or that were permitted to remain in the earth. Daniel sees that the son of man and his coming kingdom, again, his coming kingdom that will crush every other wicked kingdom and empire, his coming kingdom that will dismantle and deconstruct every other existing kingdom right now being governed by the rulers of the age. Daniel sees the son of man coming and being seated at the right hand of the ancient of days, taking his rightful place. Again, Psalm 2, Psalm 110, Daniel sees all authority to issue judgments, not in a temporary, not in an immediate sense, but in an eternal sense, forever and ever and ever. Daniel sees the Son of Man now has the right to rule and to judge. And he sees that he begins to judge the activity of the beasts. He sees that he begins to judge powers and principalities and the rulers of the age. Again, this is very important he sees that Daniel, Daniel sees that the son of man not only rules, not only judges, not only is unending and eternal, but Daniel sees as he continues looking in the vision that there is a people that the son of man possesses that serve with him. Again, we know this to be the church. We know this to be the bride we know this to be the eternal companion because God is right now working throughout the nations in a redeemed, in a new creation, a new version of humanity born again from above through their faith in Jesus their allegiance to Jesus as king, walking as faithful laid down lovers throughout the nations, readying their own hearts, preaching the announcement of the gospel, heralding the gospel announcement, bow now, repent now, ready yourself now because the king shall return. God is working throughout humanity, causing and creating a new version of humanity through being born again, loving Jesus, living faithful to him, their allegiance not to this world, but to him as king. They are in it now, but they are not of it. And they are living in light of what the spirit of God on the inside of them has possessed them with. And that is a vision of the age to come. They're living in light of what they know is now, but it is fully not yet. They are living in light of what they know they have been apprehended by, it is the tension of, yes, it's right now, for the kingdom has come, but it is 
Not yet, because it is not fully realized and manifested according to God's fullest desires as it will be one day when the Son of Man returns. Our lives are bound up in the tension of now and not yet. And it is very important that Daniel sees what he sees because he's planted in Babylon. He's been exiled from his homeland. He's been cut away from everything that he's ever known to identify himself as an individual and as a people that walk faithfully to the Lord. Again, exile in chapter one brought into Babylon, wicked King Nebuchadnezzar, pagan idols, corruption. This is now their culture and their context. What that means is no more public gatherings. That means no more gathering for worship, the public reading of the scriptures. Um, the Bible tells us in chapter one, as we looked at last week, that some of them were renamed. Um, hey, th- you now have a new name. I don't really care if you don't like it. You're in exile. You're now on foreign territory. You're living under uh, our leadership. Nebuchadnezzar is king. This is the way it goes. It even says that some of them were made to be eunuchs. Um, I don't know about you. That's a bad day. Uh, some of them were even made to be eunuchs. But in the midst of all of what seems to be hopeless, in the midst of, if you view it purely, naturally, and circumstantially, it seems to be hopeless. It seems to be filled with turmoil. It seems to be filled with great uncertainty and tension because they do not have the promise of when things will go back to normal. But right in the midst of that, Daniel made a decision for himself. He made a decision for himself in chapter 1, verse 8, that he would not defile himself by feeding on what the rest of the culture was feeding on. Again, in last week, we jumped into that in great depth. Um, But I just want to, again, reiterate that as a people set down in a corrupt culture, as a people living on foreign territory. Again, we are, as a people, a heavenly embassy. We're a heavenly people. We are an eschatological people. We're a people that belong to the future because God has started the work of forever in our hearts by way of him sharing himself with us, taking up residency on the inside of us. We are born again through our faith in Jesus, but the Holy Ghost has now come inside of us and God lives on the inside of us. And so we are a people that belong to the future because God has begun the work of eternity in our hearts, but he has planted us in the nations to live under the tension of what is right now. And as we live right now, we do not belong to our culture. We do not belong simply to the nation that we are planted in. Again, we are not American. We are Christian first. We are believers that live in America and not American Christians. We're not fighting for American entitlements. We are a heavenly embassy. We are ambassadors. We are representatives. And we want to live as such and be faithful to the Lord to demonstrate our lives as such. And this is what we find in chapter one. Daniel made a decision not to defile himself. He said, I may be in it, but I cannot be of it. And I must discern the ways that God is asking me to be set apart. We would call this consecration. 
Consecration is being set apart. It is belonging to another. It is declaring by way of demonstration that you are giving your life and the devotion of it to another. Daniel entered into intimate consecration. And for him, it looked like I can't partake of the delicacies at the king's table. I have to be discerning because of my surroundings. I have to be discerning. God, you're going to have to give me wisdom. You're going to have to breathe on me and speak to me. Right? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2 that we have access to the mind of Christ. We're not simply just fleshly. We're not carnal. We're not left to our own ability to reason and analyze and just simply fall into the categories and the opinions of the crowd and the culture. No, no, no. We have the spirit of God and we have access to the mind of Christ. And in those days, Daniel turned his face to the Lord and he said, Lord, I have to be discerning because I do not want to defile myself. I do not want contamination and compromise to fill my life. And so I am going to have to make intentional decisions to set myself apart. I'm going to enter into consecration. And he does that. One of the battlefields that he discerned was the table. And Daniel entered into what was a fast. It was vegetables and water. They were tested for 10 days. And then verse 16 of chapter one tells us that Asphanaz allowed them to continue on for the remainder of the time that they were in training and testing before they entered into the king's service. And if you read those verses, particularly, um, it says it was three years. So Daniel and his crew, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, again, those are their given names, um, Belshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, they fasted for three years on vegetables and water. But God did something extraordinary in their life. When you look at it, it says, And unto Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God granted them wisdom, understanding, learning, and insight. And unto Daniel, it was broken open to him or imparted to him. Again, we're talking unique gifting by God himself distributing into the lives of these young guys spirit abilities that is going to help to posture them in the land where they are to be faithful. And unto Daniel, he's given the ability to discern and interpret dreams and visions of all kinds. Amazing. But what I would like for you to notice is that certain things did not open up in their life until they shut other things down. Certain things did not open up. Right? We get really excited. Praise God. God has the ability to give us wisdom. He has the ability to give us insight and learning and understanding. Woo! Yes, Jesus, he has the ability to do these things. And unto Daniel, he's given the ability to discern dreams and visions of all kinds. Yay! That's amazing. However, um, what is equally amazing, and I would see as the point, it is the hinge, it is the crux of the matter. Certain things did not open up. Certain things did not break open. Certain things were not imparted to them until they were faithful and obedient to shut other things down. And Daniel's discernment is actually 
the seed that was sown by way of discerning the table and making the intentional decision not to defile himself with the delicacies at the king's table. It was the consecration. It was the fast. It was the intentionality to not be defiled, to not bring compromise, to not be contaminated with ingredients from the culture in his life. Yes, when he shut those things down, other things beautifully opened up in his life. Um, but we cannot minimize the importance of how they're connected. Because I think at times um, we want to do us and we want to do it our own way. Uh, and then we also want to place a demand on the Lord to distribute and impart certain things to us. Um, you cannot simply look at Daniel's life and not realize the intimate connection that there were certain things that opened up, but it was not until they shut other things down and there was a time period through which they had to be tested in order for God to determine they were ready for the impartation of such things. It wasn't like, okay, Lord, well, I obeyed you for two minutes and now I'm ready. Zap me with the Shandai and all of the crazy stuff. Um, that's actually not the way that it happened. Daniel had to be discerning that there were particular things and ways that his life could be contaminated. His life could be defiled. There were certain ingredients that were a part of the culture that would have brought compromise into Daniel's heart and his life that would have caused him to be in it but that would have also caused him to be of it. And in order for him to be set apart, he had to be discerning of the things that God was inviting him to shut down. Um, this is where things get very individual uh, and they get very real. James says, if any man knows what he should do and he does not do that, then to him it is sin. There's a personal way that God speaks to us. There is a one size fits all blanket application. We have it in black and white. It's universal. This is a one size fits all. It fits everybody. We obey the word. The word is instructional. The word is informational. The word is transformational. We obey the word. Yes, we obey the word, but we also obey the voice of Jesus. And through the word, God can prompt us, God can lead us, God can invite us into intimate places of consecration that are tailored for your life and my life alone. Um, and there can be unique moments and seasons where God speaks to us something that is for us, where God leads us, where he guides us, where his voice comes alive in our heart where we're seeking to be intimate with him, to obey him, to lean on him, to trust not in our own dependencies and devices, lean not on our own understanding, but to acknowledge him in all of our ways and to trust that he will lead us. There are moments where in your heart and in your life, like Daniel here in chapter one, there are going to be unique things that God speaks to you that are going to be right for you, even if they are not right for others that surround you. Um, what do I mean? I'm sure that there were people that surrounded Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were like, bro, there's nothing wrong with the food. Why aren't you eating? Why aren't you feeding? 
Why aren't you feasting like the rest of us? There's nothing wrong. There's nothing inherently wicked or corrupt. There's nothing about deception with what's being passed to us. The rationing of food from the king's table, the portion that is being assigned to us. There's nothing wrong with these things. Um, Let me just tell you, things can be not wrong for others and they can be very wrong for you. They can be very wrong for you depending on what God is saying. They don't have to be wrong in order for them to be wrong for you. Um, I think that we categorize wrong sometimes in a wrong way and we only attach it to things that are blatant, they are grotesque, uh, they are evil, they are wicked, they are corrupt. Things that we would categorize and that we would all identify because of how wrong something is and how universally accepted it is as being wrong. I stay away from things that are wrong. They are obviously sinful, but in James's estimation, anything that God is saying to you that you are not doing becomes sin to you. And Daniel had to be discerning. I'm in Babylon. It is hostile. It is corrupt. I have to be discerning because I'm supposed to be in it and not of it. And I think that this is at times where we get tripped up because we don't realize the conditioning of our hearts in our lives and what the purpose of the conditioning is actually working unto. We are being conditioned to live forever with Jesus in the age to come. Our lives right now are being conditioned to live with Jesus forever in eternity in the age to come. That is what the discipling or the disciplining of our lives, it is the purpose, it is what it is being pointed at, it is what all of our effort and investment into loving Jesus well and being discipled by his spirit so that we can learn how to live with him forever in the age to come. That is what it is all about. Well, let me tell you what that um, means it is not about. That means it is not about learning how to live in the midst of our culture in a way that our culture is going to accept us and applaud us as Christians. Um, Our culture does not define us. The opinions of the crowd at large does not define us. We have been defined by a king. He is not a politician. He's not lobbying to be president. He's not some local leader. He's not an elected official. He's not a governor. He's not a senator. He is King Jesus, and we are his people. We belong to him, and we are living like he is actually a king, and not just king now, but king forever. And our lives right now, bound up under the tension, again, the rulers of the age, the spirit of the air, powers and principalities, the tension right now between now and not yet, the tension in the middle, our lives are embedded into right now to live as a heavenly embassy. We are a heavenly people. We belong to Jesus and his coming kingdom. And right now, we are being discipled by God's spirit, the leading of the spirit into intimate consecration, discipleship, disciplinary matters and issues for anyone.
immediate momentary it is actually working towards something to his image through his discipline in intimate consecration as we live our lives set apart for him and him alone. What that means is that we are living in light of what we believe is coming, which is eternity, the age to come, and his coming kingdom. Which means very simply, we are a kingdom people. We are a kingdom-minded people. We are a people who live according to the kingdom under the leadership and rule of King Jesus. That means at times, at many times, there are going to be crossroads, intersections, confrontations where our life does not fit neatly into the culture and the applause of the crowd that we have been deeply embedded into to live faithfully to King Jesus. Which means we're not supposed to be living our lives to be conditioned to be faithful Christians according to our culture. That's what that means. That means our definition does not come from who the government says we are. It doesn't matter to me who Democrats say we are. It doesn't matter to me who Republicans say we are. It doesn't matter to me what the governmental structure says we are. Um, the church as a people, we do not belong to a political party. We don't belong to Republican. We don't belong to Democrat. The church does not belong to the government. The church does not belong to a 501c3 stature. The church belongs to King Jesus. And we have been planted in our nation and throughout the nations to be a local and a global expression of a heavenly embassy. We are a people from another world, another realm. We belong to the future, but we're faithful here and now to announce the gospel and ready all of creation for the return of the king. Um, but what that actually means in practical terms is that we have to have discernment. Um, you have to have discernment or you're not going to make it. Um, because if you don't have discernment, you are not going to be able to identify through the intimate voice of God alive in your own heart and life, you will not be able to identify in moments and situations where God is calling you out. It is time to be set apart. It is time to be other than. It is time to present of another kingdom. And Daniel says, I'm standing in a unique moment. And if I don't understand that there are certain things that are going to bring defilement to me, then I'm never going to be able to identify the things that I am supposed to shut down, push back from, clear out of my heart, my life, my attention. I am not supposed to invest into certain things that are a part of the culture. This is a beautiful demonstration of a man giving himself to God and being set apart 
and it did not come without paying a price. They were on him. They tried to confront him. They tried to convince him that it wasn't what he should do. They even tried to test him, but God allowed him to thrive in the midst of the tension and the circumstances that he was in because of his conviction that he wanted to be in it, but not of it. Um, and it is just a part of the story and the reality for you and I that certain things did not open up until he shut other things down. Last week, we talked about the demonic agenda from Daniel chapter three. Nebuchadnezzar puts up the statue, the monument. He signs the injunction, the ordinance, if you would. This is a governmental decree. It is being written into law. Whenever you see the statue, there was the command for instruments and as an accompaniment to the statue going up. Whenever you see it and hear it, bow down and worship it. And we talked about the demonic agenda through media and music and how because we have been conditioned over time for certain things to just become normalized in our culture, we are now at a very grotesque moment where certain things are being debated, certain things are being signed into our experience, certain things are being considered normal, and they are finding ways in order to cater to the crowd and the demand of demonic agenda, and things are being inspired right now in our nation and throughout the nation that are corrupt, they are grotesque, they are wicked, they are dark. But because we did not recognize the little nuances weeks, months, decades ago when certain things were just being massaged into our cultural experience, they were being introduced in little introductory ways. They were being revealed and unveiled and they were allowing little bit by little bit, time at a time, step by step. Now here we are a hundred miles into the deep end and things have gotten really dark over time. But this is what Daniel was facing in chapter three. There was the introduction of an image and there was the release of a sound. And there was the command that reverberated throughout culture. Whenever you see it and hear it, bow down to it and worship it. We're gonna normalize certain things. It's gonna become a part of the fabric of culture. It's gonna be normal to your experience. But praise God, there were three guys that said, we just don't get down like everybody else. I'm not seeing it or hearing it. And I'm definitely not bowing down to it. But the consideration of it was through consecration that they became aware of certain agendas that were alive in their culture. And they identified certain unique moments to stand for the kingdom and not to bow with the rest of the culture. Because there are certain things that are going to become normal in our culture that are not normal in the kingdom. And there are going to be certain unique opportunities through a consecrated life where discernment hits our hearts and we find that there's something worth dying for because there's something worth living for. 
Because Jesus is king and he is worth living for, he is also worth dying for. But if we don't find something that's worth dying for, then we'll never realize something that's worth living for. I'm not talking about conveniences in culture and, hey, it's not really a big deal. And, hey, I don't really have to say anything. Hey, I don't want to ruffle the feathers. And, hey, I don't want to be a problem. And, hey, I don't want to be confrontational. I'm not talking about simply just trying to go with the flow and pretending like we don't bear an otherworldly influence upon our lives where we are in it and we just try to be of it for as long as we can keep our comfort and our convenience. I'm talking about unique moments where we understand the significance of the times and we rise to the occasion in the urgency of the hour to understand that certain demonic agenda we draw a line in the sand and even if it costs me my life I have found something worth living for and if it costs me my life I have found everything in Jesus worth dying for um, and this is what these three guys consider um, when the furnace is presented to them again when you see the furnace the furnace is a unique thing. Um, I was going to say item. Um, you find the furnace um, back at the Tower of Babel, and they are baking bricks. Uh, you see, bricks are very different than stones. Um, the scriptures are communicating something to us. The furnace is a sign of conformity. The furnace is a sign of confrontation. The furnace is a sign of the painful trial and pressure that gets applied to your life by throwing you into the heat and pressurizing you until certain things become normalized in you. Um, the furnace is something that mass produces. They used it to make bricks. Oh, well, what's the big deal? Bricks are very different than stones. Um, until then, you find that things were built with stones. The introduction of the furnace gave way through demonic agenda for the pressurizing and the normalizing, for things to be conformed to a specific image size. Um, the bricks were mass produced. You have to see the confrontation with the furnace in Daniel chapter 3 is something that is very particular that is being communicated to us. If you will not bow, we will pressure you until we conform you. If you will not bow, if you will not allow certain things to become normalized in you, you're going to have to pay a price. We'll turn the heat up on you until we can just get rid of you. But we are not going to let you stand against we are not going to let you buck up against what we're doing. We are not going to allow you to begin to rally influence and to turn the tide and to try to become a current against the culture. We will not allow the influence that you bear upon your life to become normalized and for it to awaken and to cause others to come alive, for them to realize the agenda. We will not allow you. If when you see it and when you hear it, you won't bow like the rest, we'll bake you like the rest until we make you like the rest. We have a way to mass produce you and to normalize things among you. The furnace um, was presented to them uh, as a way to put pressure on them, but they wouldn't bow. Um, praise God that they wouldn't bow. Um, but you see, I think at times we look at all of what they bore upon their life and we, we create these unique exemptions 
Um, but what we really need to see is the connection point between them shutting certain things down. Um, hear me. I'll just say it this way very plainly. There are things in your heart and life that God in this season is going to ask you to shut down. They don't have ever have to have been wrong. They don't have to be anything that everybody else thinks is wrong. But in this season, they're going to be wrong for you because the voice of the Lord is going to lead you into a beautiful place of consecration and intimacy where it is going to require you to offload certain things from your diet. And I just mean that as a reference to Daniel 1, unless there are particular things about your diet that God speaks to you about, like he did Daniel and these three guys. Um, the delicacies on the king's table, meaning what the king was pushing across the table in culture was something that Daniel identified, I just can't feed on like the rest. I can't feast on what the culture is feasting on. There were certain things that had to be shut down. And in this season, there are going to be things that God is going to speak to you about that are going to be uniquely dialed in to consecration and a way of setting yourself apart for him. God is going to create space in your life for himself, space that will cause you to offload certain things, offload things off of your attention, offload things off of your activity list, offload things off of your appetites in order for him to occupy it and fill it all by himself. Um, and he's going to speak to you. And he's going to invite you. He's going to lead you into consecration. Um, because again, in this moment, these three guys recognized, I can't look at what everybody else is looking at. And I can't listen to what everybody else is listening to. Right? It, it, it's amazing. In chapter one, it had to do with food items. Right? It had to do with the table. In chapter three, it had to do with images and sounds, which in our day would reflect media and music. I just can't look at what everybody else is looking at. I just can't listen to what everybody else is listening to. Because over time, it's going to normalize certain things in my heart. It's going to condition me to just believe that certain things are normal. Again, there's been an agenda through media and music in order to normalize certain things. You cannot listen to music that glorifies crime, gang activity, drugs, trafficking, the, the belittling and the, the demoralizing of women through the, the glorification of sex and prostitution and all of this type of lifestyle. You cannot listen to music for long periods of time where that is normal, thinking that in your heart, it's not going to affect you. Um, we are in it, but we're not supposed to be of it. We're in the world but we're not supposed to be of the world. But we are going to become like the rest of the world if we are entertaining ourselves with what the rest of the world is being entertained by. Um, it's very interesting to me that in Daniel chapter 6, when Darius puts him into the lion's den, um, you, you may have never seen these words or you may have never paid attention to them at all. It says that when Daniel puts him in the lion's den, right? Because Daniel decides, hey, listen, I don't really give a rip what laws you write 
Um, it really doesn't matter to me if you're going to take my faithfulness to the Lord and you're going to turn it against me and you're going to make it a crime. In Daniel 6, verse 10, it says, and when Daniel knew that the law had been written into reality, he took it to the house and he went to the upper room and with the window open, he got on his knees and he said, I'm going to keep doing what I've been doing because I will not compromise. I will not bow. I will not deny him. I will not walk in a way that is unfaithful to him. And because of Daniel's continued faithfulness, um, they came and arrested him. They chased him down. They brought the fight to his house. They kicked the door in and they snatched him up. Um, some of us ain't ready for that. Um, some of us ain't ready for that. Um, some of us, we're going to buckle way before that even comes into being. Like when they outlaw being a Christian in our culture and when it's no longer just simply okay and it's not applauded and we're not just another like political toy where they're lobbying for our votes and where the government isn't still giving us all of these unique privileges and rights and entitlements because we're Americans and Christians and we're fighting between the tension of all of that. When they actually outlaw it and write it into public policy that you can no longer walk with God, proclaim the name of Jesus, pray, worship, be faithful, to any God except the God of the culture. Uh, I'm telling you, when it becomes against the law, I, I, I hope, I hope and I pray that you are still going to take it to the house and be faithful to him, that you are still going to do what you know you're supposed to be doing and you're going to be praying and worshiping and preaching and declaring, understanding that you're in it, you're not of it, but the time that God gives you to fulfill his desires, you're going to be about this life and you're really going to be an ambassador of another kingdom. I hope that that's going to be you because that's what God did in the life of Daniel. Um, and they came and they snatched him up and they arrested him. Um, and as they arrested him, they didn't only arrest him and put him in jail. They arrested him and they put him in a lion's den, hoping that he was going to be maul mauled by wild beasts. Um, but again, Daniel sees in the vision in chapter seven, the activity of the wild beasts, the powers, the principalities, the rulers of the age that are permitted for a specific time to create tension until the king returns. Jesus secured their judgment with his first coming. Their judgment will be realized in his second coming. They understand they don't have much time left. And they are trying to create chaos. The spirit of the power of the air, powers and principalities, rulers of the age. Daniel gets thrown into the lion's den to be mauled by wild beasts. Again, in chapter 7, a beast that looked like a lion is the first one that he saw. 1 Peter 5.8 tells us the enemy, your adversary, roams about to and fro like a lion seeking whom he may devour. Daniel gets thrown into the lion's den because he's faithful. They roll the stone in front. <laughs> we all realize the symbolism here. But it's interesting. It says that Darius entered into a fast for that night and that no entertainment was brought to him. And he spent the night believing for a way for Daniel to be rescued. No entertainment was brought to him because he fastened his thoughts. He created an intentional space in his heart, in his attention, to not be entertained by other things for a specific time period. 
consecration is about attention. And if we have no room in our attention, then it will be difficult for God to occupy spaces and places that he longs to fill. For most of us, we could not consider what our life would look like if we didn't do things that culture considers to be normal. For most of us, we would be flabbergasted by what our time, attention, and life's investment would actually be given to if we weren't a part of and doing things that everybody else just considers to be normal. And so we occupy the majority of our time with, again, things that are considered normal or things that have become normalized in the experience of our life as we are living here and now. But I would submit to you that there are certain normal things that God wants to offload so that you can enter into an abnormal experience of places and spaces that he longs to fill with himself where you would be entertained by him rather than the things that you long for and go looking for. Um, and that's the reality of it. Consecration is about being set apart. Um, and until you set yourself apart from certain things, other things will not open up to you. Other things will not be imparted to you. There are other things that will not be able to take up the place and space in your attention that God even may long to reveal to you. Man, what would I do if I didn't watch what everybody else is watching? What would I do if I didn't do what everybody else was doing? What would I do if I just didn't act the rest of the ways that everybody else was acting? It would seem like I just had a lot of dead, empty space in my life. Friend, that is exactly the point. There are spaces and places in your life that need to die so that God can come alive to you and he can occupy those spaces and places on the inside of you where you can be entertained by him and him alone. Um, is Jesus not entertaining enough for you? Um, is he not fascinating enough to you? looking for other things. <laughs> Look at. Um, that's with him. That's when the dependencies and the cravings of our to other things. Um, we develop a fascination with other lovers because of the immediate satisfaction that they give us. Um, but let me encourage you. Um, consecration is not about rules and regulations. It's about intimate attention. It's about intimate attention. And in this season, uh, I am believing that God is longing to invite you into places and spaces that may be totally abnormal for you. They may be totally against the cultural swing of your life, your family, let's say the pocket of people that you're connected to. Um, and the invitation of the Lord may create great tension with others. 
um, because they're going to misunderstand you and they're going to apply pressure to you. Um, you see, because everything is great as long as we're all sitting in the boat together. But the minute Jesus invites one of us out and we cross the threshold of the boat and we put our feet on the water and we start to walk, um, you see certain conversations that they, they become dead at that point. Everybody talks about how impossible it is to walk on the water until Peter crosses over and he's standing there and he's walking with Jesus in a unique way. All of the excuses that we had as to why it would never be possible, all of the considerations and conversations that we create as to why nobody would ever be able to actually uphold that kind of life or walk with the Lord, all of those things die the minute that God actually does it with one person. But if we're not willing to actually stand against the tension of the invitation of the Lord, you see, anyone who actually is willing to lose their life for his sake, for the gospel, for his purposes being realized, for the fulfillment of God's heart and his dream in your city, in your nation, in the nations throughout the earth, unless we're willing to die at times to our own idea of who we are and who we want to be, right? This is the initial invitation into intimacy, into consecration, into being set apart. This is the initial invitation into discipleship. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and let's go. There was a discernment that was needed in certain moments as we look throughout the book of Daniel for people to identify the invitation of the Lord. And I'm really praying and believing that in this season, you would begin to sift through the cultural norms and that you would identify the invitation of the Lord in your own heart. It's time to come out of that. It's time to set yourself apart. You're in it, but it's no longer okay for you to be of it. There are things that I'm longing to do. There are things that I'm dreaming about opening up in your life. There are things that I'm longing to impart to you. But until you shut certain things down, certain things are not going to open up. The two are intimately and uniquely tied together. But would you be willing to set yourself apart to me? Would you be willing to allow the influence that I have in your heart to lead you away from and into certain beautiful places and spaces where don't worry about what's going to fill it? It's not like, hey, well, you know, I, I used to watch these kinds of movies. Uh, well, I don't watch those kinds anymore. Now I only watch these kinds. Would you allow me to lead you where maybe... You need to turn the TV off. But what am I going to do? Look at me. I want to be with you. There are things that I'm longing to show you. There are things that I need for you to see. But because right now you see so many other things, you turn to so many other things, you scroll through so many other things, you don't have enough room in your attention for me to speak to you the way that I want to speak to you. Reveal to you the things that I long to reveal to you. Would you give me space? Would you create room for me? Would you allow me to invite you into a beautiful place of consecration? Set yourself apart to me. Set yourself apart to me. Man, praise God that Daniel set himself apart. Praise God that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they set themselves apart.
because they understood that there was hostility in the air that was trying to normalize them, that was trying to pressurize them to bow, that was trying to make them like the rest through the agenda of demonic inspiration and how that was coming through powers and principalities and even, yes, the idea of wicked rulers, Nebuchadnezzar. Praise God that they had enough discernment in order to sift their hearts, to posture themselves, to live faithful to the Lord, to see his purposes fulfilled. Um, friends, if we don't have discernment in these days, we're not going to have any idea how we're actually supposed to posture ourselves. And we're not going to have any idea what God is actually doing. But if we would give way to his voice, and if you would let him speak to you, and if you would allow him to anchor your life beautifully and deeply into a place of consecration, again, being set apart, being called out, being walked out and away from, where your attention can be filled with the person of God, where Jesus can occupy places in your attention that maybe he's never had access to, but this season, it's calling for it. It requires it. And things that God wants to do in your life and things that he is going to see fulfilled through your life, they actually require it in this season. Friend, would you let him speak to you? Would you give him that access? And would you allow him to intimately lead you? Um, we're a heavenly people. And we're to be planted as a heavenly embassy. We're ambassadors. We're representatives. We have God's spirit. May we be faithful to King Jesus in these days. And may we find enough in him to offload anything from the attention of our hearts that he may be saying is, hey, listen, I get it. This was okay for you all the way up until right now. Would you allow me to redefine normal? Would you allow me to rewrite the definition of your experience of what normal means from this point forward? Would you cross over that threshold? Um, we are not trying to be faithful to our culture. We are a culture unto ourselves as we live faithful to King Jesus. We are a kingdom culture that has been planted in the midst of a hostile worldly culture. But when the coming kingdom actually gets realized, it will dismantle every other power principality and everything that has been constructed over time that has been considered normal, that has been fashioned and constructed through sin. It is important that we live now as a culture unto King Jesus and not simply try to be faithful to the worldly culture around us. Um, it is going to take real discernment, but praise God that you have it because you have his spirit. Uh, I'm going to pray that you would honor the Lord with your attention. That you would honor the Lord with your attention and that you would find enough value in him in order to value what he values and devalue what he's no longer valuing. Um, where you would champion what he champions, meaning you would love what he loves and you would do away with or you would hate what he hates. May the discipline of the Lord 
come upon our lives. And may he condition us here and now to live in light of what we know we believe and the kingdom that we know is coming. We are not living and conditioning our lives so that we can be Americans in eternity. We are living as believers in America and as believers planted throughout the nations so that we can become normalized according to kingdom culture. May we live in such a way that Jesus amends our lifestyle. He amends the culture that we are planted in our nation. May we live in light of those things that are realities that are eternal and his coming kingdom. And Lord, may you have your way to take your place upon the throne of our hearts and may you be everything in our attention, in our affection, and in our appetite. May you be everything. Help us, Lord, to condition our lives through consecration to develop now how we believe we will live forever with you when you come. I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts, Lord. Thank you for your purposes that are being realized, for your dreams and desires that will be fulfilled. Make us an otherworldly people that are in the world but are not of the world. May we represent you well. May we represent you well. We love you, King Jesus. Shake our hearts and may what remains be only what you desire. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We pray that it has fanned into flame the love that you have for him. If you would like more information about Burning Ones, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on social media, visit our website, burningones.org, or download our app. 